And though we too are living in uncertain times, we are to faithfully fulfill God's call upon our lives. It could be that we find ourselves in days that are days of uncertainty. I believe that we are living in days of uncertainty right now. But it does not mean that we should not follow the plan that God has set for our lives as individuals, as a church body, as long as we can. We are to live Christ before others. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. I was thinking about the end of the year, the uncertainty of the times that we find ourselves in. And it really had me thinking of two passages of Scripture. The first one I'm going to summarize for you in a few paragraphs. The second one we're going to look at today, coming from Jeremiah chapter 29. So the first passage that I instantly thought of was from Luke chapter 19, verse 13, where Jesus is given the parable of the ten Minas, the parable of the ten minas, I think that's the proper title that's been attached to that section of scripture. And in that parable, he tells the servants, do business until I come. Other translations, occupy until I come. And this parable was given to correct those who believe that Jesus's kingdom was coming When he came the first time, there were those who believed that, Lord, is the kingdom coming now? And so he told this parable of the ten minas, a parable of a certain nobleman who had given ten minas to ten different servants, and he charged them to do business until I come. And then the certain nobleman went away on a journey. And then when he came back, the ten servants began to report to their master what they had done with the mina that was given to them, the talent that was given to them. Now, Jesus only addressed three of the ten. The first of the ten, as we know, as we see in the Gospel of Luke, the first, he came to the Lord and he said, my mina has earned ten minas. And, and the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I'll make you Lord over ten cities. And it was likewise for the one who came next. He said, Lord, my mina has produced five minas. And in the same manner, he said, for you, I give charge over five cities. And then there was the next servant, the third that he talked about. And he simply said to that 
servant who had taken the mina, the talent that the Lord had given him, and he hid it away. And he came to the master and he said, here's your mina. What you have given to me, I return to you. And the Lord was truly upset with this servant as he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you. You wicked servant, you knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has 10. But they said to their master, master, he has 10 minas. For I say to you, to everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And so in this passage, the Lord also talked about the enemies who hated this king. And the king himself judged the enemies with death. But to the servant who buried the mina, he simply took away that reward, perhaps Reminding us as believers, and here's my summary of this, as believers, we may lose heavenly reward, but not lose our salvation. But to each of us, the Lord gives a talent, an ability that we might serve him by, that we are to invest in the kingdom of God, that it might gain heavenly rewards. Well, the second verse that came to mind is our study today. It comes from Jeremiah chapter 29. And it was a time when Jeremiah was writing to the captives who had been taken to Babylon. Their nation had fell and Jerusalem had been destroyed by this time. And there were false prophets who were saying that God would soon deliver them and bring them from their captivity. Yet, Jeremiah had a different message for the people. They were living in days of uncertainty, days of the Babylonian captivity. And this is the passage that I would like us to focus on today because I believe that we too are living in days of uncertainty. And so to think about how we as believers in Jesus Christ should conduct ourselves in the days that we find ourselves in. So today we're looking at Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 1 through 14. I titled this passage, Living in Uncertain Times, and I broke it into three parts. We have the letter in verses 1 through 3, the counsel, verses 1 through 9, and the promise, verses 10 through 14. I'm going to pray once again for God to bless the teaching of his word, but first I'm going to read through our First point, the letter, read through verses 1 through 3 of Jeremiah 29. And the word of God tells us now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive, to the priests, the prophets, all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now this happened after Jeconiah the king and the queen, mother, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the smiths, had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisha, the son of Shaphan, the son of Gemariah, and the son of Hilkiah, whom 
Zedekiah, king of Judah, was sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, and so we'll get into the letter on the second point, but we ask, Father, that you would bless now the teaching of your word, that, Lord, we not only could understand the history of the children of Israel and what they had gone through, but, Lord, that it would give us courage for the day and age that we find ourselves in this day. We pray in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. As we know in the church that Jeremiah was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, we get a bit of Jeremiah's life in the introduction to the book of Jeremiah. And so it really keys us in on the time that he lived in, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. We find the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priest who were at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. And it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. And so we have a timeline that he actually served from the 13th year of Josiah through four more kings that followed King Josiah. King Josiah was a good king. The four kings, his sons that followed after him, they were all evil kings, wicked kings. But here we find also that Jeremiah was born to the priestly line, but God did not call Jeremiah to the priesthood, but called him to be a prophet to the nation and actually called Jeremiah when he was very young. He had an understanding of the ministry that the Lord had called him to, the Lord calling him to serve him as a prophet. In Jeremiah 1, 9 and 10, the Lord said, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Jeremiah had a mission, a ministry that the Lord had given him to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down the false teachings that were going forth in his day to the people of God. But also, God gave him a ministry to build and to plant. Although we discover at the end of Jeremiah's ministry that the building and planting would not take place within the proper boundaries of Israel, but that building and planting would take place in Babylon, it would take place in Egypt. And so it really, in a sense, had an unexpected end where the people of God would think, surely the Lord is going to rescue his people and save them from the destruction that was coming. But the Lord had a different plan. And there was judgment that needed to be made against the people of God, because of their unfaithfulness to the Lord God. And so King Josiah, the very first king that's named here, he was the last of the good kings that reigned and ruled over Judah. And Josiah's relationship with God caused him to seek justice and righteousness for his people and gave him a concern for the poor and the needy. And Jeremiah began his ministry during the reign of King Josiah. 
Jehoaz was the 16th king of Judah, the 18th in the line of David, and his name meant Jehovah sustains. And yet we learn in the Bible that he only reigned for three months. And he was put into prison by Pharaoh Necho after a three-month reign. And Necho imposed a tribute upon Judah and put his Josiah's son Eliakim upon the throne. And so the king that followed good king Josiah, his son who reigned after him, only lasted three months. Then Eliakim, he was the 17th king of Judah, the 19th in the Davidic line, and he would reign for 11 years. Pharaoh Necho, though, changed his name. His name Eliakim meant God will establish, but it was Pharaoh Necho who gave him the name Jehoiakim, which means God sustains. And yet God did not sustain him because he did evil in God's sight. Jehoiachin was the next king, the son of Jehoiakim. He was the 18th king of Judah and the 20th in the Davidic line. His name meant Jehovah will establish. But once again, God did not establish the heart of this evil king. And once again, we find that only reigning and ruling for three months, Jehoiachin surrendered to the king of Babylon. He, as 2 Kings 24, 12 tells us, he surrendered he, his mother, his servants, his princes. The officers went out to the king of Babylon, the king of Babylon, in the eighth year of his reign and took him prisoner. And so the next king, Zedekiah, which is mentioned for us in Jeremiah chapter 1, Zedekiah would reign as the 19th king of Judah, the 21st king in the Davidic line. He was the last king of Judah reigning 11 years. His name meant Jehovah, my righteousness. But righteousness did not describe the life of this king. For the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 36, 12, he did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. And as the puppet king of Babylon... 2 Chronicles 36, 13, King Nebuchadnezzar made him swear an oath by God, but he stiffened his neck, he hardened his heart, turning against the Lord God of Israel. So after the reign of good King Josiah, four kings followed there in Judah, having a combined reign of 22 years, six months. If they followed back to back, they probably overlapped just a little bit. And so probably a little less than 22 years, six months. And yet I point that out because I think it's important that Jeremiah ministered a long time in Jerusalem. And even after its fall, he was taken to Egypt with the remnants of Israel and he continued to preach to the wayward people. He would live until the reign of evil Merodach, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, and it's believed that he died around the age of 90 years old. Yet we have no record in the Bible. This is merely tradition stating that. But he ruled during a time as a prophet. He reigned, uh, I guess I could say, the prophecies that went forth. It was a very difficult time in their nation. There were four kings who were all bad kings. Only one good and four bad. And yet that was the time that the Lord had called 
Jeremiah to prophesy to the people of the Lord. But this passage comes to us after the fall of Jerusalem in the writing of a letter that came from Egypt that he sent to Babylon. In verses 2 and 3, it says this happened. After Jeconiah the king, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem, the letter was sent by the hand of Eliasah, the son of Shaphan, of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. So the letter came after the carrying away of King Jeconiah, his queen mother, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, and the skilled labor, as I said, the craftsmen. So they'd torn the city down. They took away the skilled labor that the people couldn't rebuild again. They took away the smiths. I was thinking about this. At first, I just put in my notes, they took away all skilled labor. But the smiths was a different issue. By taking away the blacksmiths, they did not allow for the people to build weapons again. They had no one that knew how to forge weapons. So they had no craftsmen to rebuild their cities. I'm sure they would learn to do these things, but initially they left them without the skilled labor to rebuild. Also left them without the men who could make weapons of warfare, something that they used to do often. The Philistines did this to Israel in the early days of their kingdom. They would leave them without the smiths and would force them to go to the Philistines to even get their sickles and their harvesting equipment sharpened. So they were taken away to Babylon. This was the third and final time that Nebuchadnezzar came and attacked Jerusalem at this time. The temple, the king's house, the great houses, the wall were completely broken down. They carried away the people, the wealth of Jerusalem, including all that was in the temple, the gold, the silver, the bronze. They took the chief priest, the second priest, the three doorkeepers of the temple, Zedekiah's chief men, the chief men of the city, 72 in all, and he took them away and Nebuchadnezzar had them put to death. And though it may seem overly cruel, we learn in 2 Chronicles 36, 14, it tells us that all the leaders of the priests and the people transgressed more and more according to the abominations of the nations. They defiled the house of the Lord, which he had consecrated. And so at this time, the leadership in Judah and Jerusalem, they were not very good people. And God judged them. And ultimately, through the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, had the leadership of Jerusalem put to death. And I took us through this rather long back history to show us that Jeremiah's ministry took place in some of the most difficult days of his nation. And even so, he faithfully followed God's call upon his life. We know him historically. Some have nicknamed Jeremiah as the weeping prophet. They've also said, accredited to him, that he did not win one convert. He preached the word of God and did not convince one to follow in the right ways of the Lord. I'm sure he did. He had those who follow. We will discover through his writings. They were very significant for people of faith in latter years, as they can be very significant to us as well. 
And though we too are living in uncertain times, we are to faithfully fulfill God's call upon our lives. It could be that we find ourselves in days that are days of uncertainty. I believe that we are living in days of uncertainty right now. But it does not mean that we should not follow the plan that God has set for our lives as individuals, as a church body, as long as we can. We are to live Christ before others. And so he gives counsel, verses 4 through 9. Once again, I'll pick up the context for us, reading from verses 4 through 9, our second point, the counsel. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captive, to whom I have caused you to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminish. And seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name, and I have not sent them, says the Lord. And so the counsel, it would almost seem contrary to what one might think, and really it was contrary to what the false prophets, what they were saying to the people of Judah and Israel of that day, who were actually prophesying that the Lord was going to deliver them. Yes, they were taken into captivity, but God would soon come and deliver us and bring us back to Israel. And Jeremiah came with an entirely different message. It was because of their sins that their nation had fell into captivity and been carried away to a foreign land. And to those who survived, they were to establish themselves in Babylon. They were to build houses. They were to plant gardens. They were to take wives and have sons and daughters. They were to give their sons in marriage, their daughters in marriage, that they might bear them grandchildren. They were to settle down for a number of years. In fact, we'll find for 70 years in totality. God wanted them to increase there where they were carried away captive and not to decrease. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 10 through 12, the word of God tells us, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, that you may lack nothing. And so in a similar way to the church of Jesus Christ, Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica that they were to increase more and more. And how did they increase more and more? By aspiring to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to mind to your own business, we might say, to work with your hands, that you might 
walk properly toward those who are outside of the church, that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, God, but also that you may not lack nothing. So Jeremiah sent this letter to the Jews in exile to prepare them for a long but actually prosperous stay in Babylon. And Lord, let that be our prayer today. Lord, how we want to increase and not decrease as the people of God today. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for this church, as we enter our 30th year, may it be a year of increase for us. We thank you, Lord, for the provision that you have given us these past 29 years. And we do not truly know, Lord, what the future holds, but we are so thankful that you hold the future. And may we put our trust in your hands, in a nation, Lord, that is so confused right now. May we hold on to your truths that you might guide us each day and throughout this coming year, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.